And this is the Surveyor Hub podcast, the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. You'll hear from surveyors of all flavours, businesses of all sizes and conversations with people working in the business of surveying, supporting the work we do. We'll be chatting about what matters in our work, career journeys, highs and lows, and learning how surveyors make a social and physical impact every day through their work. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the podcast. And you can also show your support at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the surveyor hub. On the podcast today, I'm talking with Karen Rogers from RICS, and we're going to be talking about all things Young Surveyor of the Year, the awards that RICS hosts every year in the UK. And this is especially useful for you if you're curious about entering, uh, you're wondering how the application process works. You might have a little bit of imposter syndrome, but also to understand the background to the awards and how they came about. I hope you find it useful. And as ever, keep in touch and let me know. Here we go. Okay. So welcome to the podcast, Karen. Lovely to have you here today. It's good to be here. Now we're recording this at the peak of the hot weather (laughs) here in the UK. (laughs) And I thought I was fine until I went out at lunchtime to hang some washing out because I'm working from home. And I'm, um, I'm sweating now. When I record these, I record them via video so I can share them with my business club. And uh, I'm not drinking a gin and tonic, even though it looks like it. <laughs> but I've got a cool drink to cool, to cool me down. So just to set the tone uh, of, this, of this podcast, I won't be drinking gin. Um, Karen, um, I've known you for a couple of years on and off. We've exchanged uh, various emails and spoken about different things. But I've never had a really good chance to have a good chat with you. So don't worry, it's not not an interrogation. But I'm really, really interested in the people behind the job, um, particularly at RICS and some of the work that work that they do. So I'm, I'm pleased to um, to have you on. So perhaps for people listening who don't know who Karen Rogers is, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what your role is now? Good, yeah. So I'm Karen Rogers. I'm currently the early engagement manager at the RICS. I have worked at the RICS for 25 years this December Um, so have seen numerous changes um, numerous different directorates um, but I've always had a real passion and always worked in the early engagement area of the business so either within the early career network which we call matrix or within uh, the careers arena so I've spent 25 years trying to nail it um, and I can't actually say we've actually done it yet because things change (laughs) in these arenas so fast but but yeah really really love my job in the RICS because I am dealing with people that are still very young very passionate well indeed not even just young but very passionate about the profession and just like sponges they're absorbing more and more about it Um, so yeah absolutely love it. And I guess in that amount of time as you said you're seeing people come and go but you know if you're job on the work that you do 
just ticks those boxes then you can weather any storm and I'm sure you've seen all sorts in <laughs> within 25 years how did you get into this work what was your background before you joined RICS or did you grow with your career in RICS um, so my background was I worked for 10 years within Girl Guiding UK. So I undertook child development courses to understand um, the learning needs of a, of a student. Um, so, so my role actually was quite similar, believe it or not, within Girl Guiding as it is here in the, at the RICS. So it was engaging the younger, the younger age range um but also training the trainers so that we had confidence in the leadership um and it's very similar here at the uk in rics we have we're trying to engage students but then we work with the ambassadors the volunteer members of the rics to give them the confidence to engage so yeah i've done a lot of various events um wrote various things um for the rics and for um girl guiding and my claim to fame marion is that i actually set up rainbow guides so no way indeed that was my idea <laughs> My daughter is in rainbows. She just moved to brownies. Let's yeah, get your autograph. Everybody said, all the the, uh, the senior members within Girl Guiding were like, this will never work. You know, five-year-olds, you just don't get their attention span. Um, you know, they just won't ever engage in the same way. They, and so, but we tried it, we tested it. And yeah, it is the success it is today. But um had a few negative um, members to overcome, even in those days within Girl Guiding. So, yeah, it's very similar to what I'm dealing with today. <laughs> yeah, little five-year-old girls. <laughs> no different from our ICS members. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> but just, just on that point, I think it's really important that we start talking about surveying really early. Yes. You know, the earlier we start to talk about construction, change the narrative for girls, to get involved in STEM and uh, subjects and, and all of those things, make it much more accessible, you know, then, then the better. And it just has to start, start younger. Um, you know, it's something we talk about a lot on this podcast, you know, how did you come about uh, the world of surveying? How did you get started? You know, and very few, you know, most people say they fell into it, but very few will say, well, I knew from the age of six that I wanted to be a surveyor. And I, you know, um, I've tested it out on both my kids um my uh, and I've mentioned this on the on the podcast before I'm sure but when I my son was about five or six and he says we're walking back from school and he says mummy daddy says you're a souvenir <laughs> I said did he now <laughs> he went surveyor uh, you know I was about down pipes and things as, and, and rooftops as we were walking back home and he just wasn't interested whatsoever um and my daughter uh you know wants to be a savannah whatever savannah is um but she just wants to be like mummy you know which is which is fine too but uh, you know half the problem I think is how you get them to spell it and pronounce it, it seems to be yeah. <laughs> my experience with the first hurdle but the more that we can do these uh, start the the language younger but you know it's a competitive space isn't it you know with, with all the other careers that you know girls and kids want to to get into yeah I totally agree totally agree and I would even 
um, probably to the disgust of your listeners, Marion, but I would even say that at the early age, we don't even mention the word surveyor, but almost yeah. like the built environmental property, you know, keep it very basic to them, but actually make them realise that the world around them is created by this entity called surveyors um, and to get them just to be very aware of their surroundings and the impact you know um, one of the best things I ever done was walk alongside an apprentice as we walked past Buckingham Palace and he said I love my job because in years to come I'll be able to say to my children I was involved in refurbishing Buckingham Palace and it's those sorts of things that we want to engage the younger audience in as in do you realise that a surveyor has been in there to do that or a surveyor has been in your school so nothing just materialises there's somebody driving it um, so yeah I think I think um, the more we can engage them and in a really upbeat positive fun fun way uh, the better um, so yeah definitely the reason for, for having you, apart from just to get to chat to you, Karen, having you on the podcast, was I wanted to talk about Young Surveyor of the Year Awards. Um, the deadline is coming up shortly. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes uh, when, this, when this podcast goes out so we can uh, help spread the word. Uh, but I wanted to talk about, about the awards themselves, how they came about, and then also I'd like to talk about how to actually apply and what that involves. So sort of in two parts. So how long has the uh, awards been running? This will be its ninth year. So not quite on the 10 year anniversary yet, but we hope to get there. Um, great and how, and how did it how did it how did it come about? What was the was there were there any awards before that or no, and I'm not sure I should really share with you, Marion, because it was one of those occasions where Sean Tompkins and I had been at an event and he was talking and he said, this event was great, but there's something missing in our event portfolio. And I was like, OK, is this a time to be talking about vision when we've got a glass of wine in our hands here, Sean? And he was like, I want, I want you to come up with something, a flagship event for, for Matrix. I want a Matrix flagship event to raise its profile, but I also want to see how we can get the younger members and their employers together. What can we do? What can we do? And that's where it came from, was literally me going away thinking, oh, the CEO has asked for this, this flagship event. No pressure, Karen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I thought, perhaps he'll forget about it. It's a social after an event. He'll forget about it. Literally a fortnight later, he caught me in the corridor and said, so that conversation we had, um, how is it progressing? And my face must have been a picture because he went, no rush. It's not got to be this year. So I was like, OK. And went away and thought, what do really, what do others do? How can we really raise the profile of our younger members? What can Matrix really do well? And I thought, well, Matrix love a good social event. They love a good... And let's just talk about Matrix, um, because there'll be some listeners out there who might know it as the old, I think, J.O. junior organisation. Tell us a bit about what Matrix is. So it's the peer-to-peer networking group for the RICS. So it's RICS, Subtext, Early Careers Network, really. So it's the support mechanism for all of our students, trainees, apprentices, and those newly qualified up to 10 years. So it's not age driven, it's qualification driven. So we do have a certain level of our membership that 
um, are more senior in years, but Matrix is still relevant to them because it's about building business contacts, supporting through qualification and becoming chartered. Um, and it's really, as I say, the support side of things outside of what the executive offer. Um, so it's that buddy kind of, I know what the RICS is telling me to do, but where can I go for extra help, enter extra mentoring or um, a soundboard? Um, in addition to that, the RICS value the voice of that, of that group of members, those that are coming to the profession with fresh eyes, with new ideas. Um, so it's really a win-win. We're, we're creating the safe space for members to, to chat and talk and have events and support each other. But in return, it's a really strong voice for the younger members or the newly qualified members. Um, into the RICS without being a lone voice. Um, mm. It's the collective. Yeah, and uh, that was something that came through really strongly in the Bichard review, uh, the report that came out was that, you know, um, there needs to be much more of a voice of, of newly qualified and, and younger members and, and rightly so. And I know it's been a tricky time for many early on in their career with the whole pandemic. A lot of them were furloughed. A lot of people, you know, I remember when I first moved to London, for example, I lived in a house share and the thought of being stuck in the, a room in a house share for, you know, lockdown of two yeah. years and, and that, you know, so, um, you know, I know they've had it particularly hard. And then with, you know, RICS's challenges, the furloughs and, and everything else that happens, I know it's been it's been really hard. But what I also know is that because I see it on social media and I hear what, what people are talking about is there is a really strong bond between RICX, uh, RICS Matrix members, the support they give each other, and however much you engage or not, it's just really powerful to know that there are other people out there that you can reach out to if you need to. And just seeing some of the things that they organise themselves over the pandemic and things has been really, really insightful to, to see. So it's been running for, um, for nine years. Um, what have you learned about the awards in that time? Oh gosh, <laughs> how long is this podcast? For? <laughs> has it, well, um, let me ask another question. Has it evolved? You know, is it, has it has it panned out as you expected? It, to a certain degree, yes, um, but it never ceases to surprise me that year on year um, the entries get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I don't mean as in our surveyors are getting better in their practice. I just feel there's an element of, because there's a cohort of past winners that the those people entering this, this time or at last year will reach out to them and take from their strength. So I think this is where the matrix network is, is really enhancing the quality of, of our entries. Um, you can clearly see that the entries in years one and two were, were without consultation people were still finding the ground, what does this actually mean? What are they looking for? But now the entries are coming in and you can clearly see that those past winners are being contacted. Um, and it, yeah, it's just brilliant. It, it really is the, the entries. You know, and every year I sit there and think, mm, entries are gonna be down this year or the standards are gonna be down this year because we must be exhausting the talent. There must be, but we don't. Every year we get new entries in and it, 
it shocks me how much dedication and passion there is in the profession that doesn't come through anywhere else. Mm. Um, so the awards really open the doors to that kind of sharing of, of standards and excellence. Yeah. So how many entries, uh, how, many, sorry, how many different categories are there for the awards? There's 10. But one of them isn't for um, a specialism, it's for the mentor. So the it's mentor, somebody, that's yeah. Right. yeah. So there's so 10 I've, in total. So I've judged on, I think, residential and valuation categories in the past. Um, I think I'm hoping to do the mentor um, judge this year, which would be interesting. And in part because there's a lot of conflict, because I know lots of people and I'm encouraging people to, to put forward. So you can't judge people that you uh, that you know. So there's 10 um, categories across uh, different disciplines. What's the criteria? What do, what do you need? Who do you need to be to uh, enter into the award? Do, what do you need to be? ASOC, qualified, trainee? What level do you need to be? Um, you, you need to have simply enrolled on the APC or the ASOC pathway. We tried a couple of years back to go with just those that are qualified. So you had to be ASOC WIC qualified or MRICS. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't accepted or received so well because there are people that are struggling with the APC but are still doing exemplary jobs and their roles are still allowing them. So we listened to some of the firms and the judges feedback um, reverted back to it being anybody can enter um, as long as they're enrolled on the APC or ASOT Wix pathway. Okay and is there an age limit? It is at the moment um, it's 35 and under as of the 1st of November in the calendar year the awards are held um, and we've tried various ways of looking at this it originally was 30 when we first introduced the awards it was 30 years of age um, and it was felt that there wasn't enough experience in some of those candidates because some of them had only just finished their APC and they didn't feel they had the right level of experience to apply. So we increased it to 35, um, which was at the time in line with the matrix membership age. Um, then we had the Age Discrimination Act come in and, and matrix had to change it to being a 10 years post-qualified um, uh, criteria. We tried to look at that. We didn't actually run any awards under that, guys, but we did look at it and thought, what does that actually mean for some of our entrants if we raise, if we done it to 10 years post-qualified? And I think there was around about 700 members that were aged over 60 that could apply because they were gone through the senior professional route. And it was kind of, how do we deal with entries coming in from those experts so they've got lots more experience just worldwide experience co compared to an apprentice and how would the judges ever get that balance so so it was kind of like let's keep to an age restriction for the time being because it works it gives us a clear definer but every year within the project team when we first set up the the, the first project team of the season it's like, do we keep the age limit in there? How else could we, how else could we get a fair and balanced way of judging, um, you know, somebody who may be slightly older and doing Serena's second career against somebody that's literally university or an apprentice just out onto a graduate mm. scheme? Um, and we've not nailed it. So if anybody's got yeah. any ideas. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is, I think... Um... 
you know, age, diversity, neurodiversity, mm. all of all of that, I think, is something that um, has to come up under the new DNI board, which Governing Council has set up, you know, uh, with all the Levitt and Bishard um, report recommendations. And so this is the kind of thing that I would be expecting them to 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 have a look at. And but I was thinking about this because, you know, I was asked and I'm sure there are other people out there who were asked when they were 36. <laughs> are you young enough? To, <laughs> are you young enough to go to the uh, to enter the awards? And you're just not quite. Yes. Um, you know, and, and it's a kick in the teeth. But I absolutely take your point, you know, and I see that particularly on the residential side is you have people who are business owners, um, mm. you know, who then come into surveying later on in their careers. And so therefore, how can you have a comparison? So what I'm encouraged by is that these things will be looked at going forward. And it is tricky. We all need to contribute and, and have a have a say because we do like a consultation at our ICS, <laughs> don't we, Karen? You know, but, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, I, but I guess it comes back to the essence of you know, that early start in your career. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that it's once you're enrolled on the APC, because a few people I think I can give a nudge now. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that starts, which brings some, some freshness, if you like. And um, so, that's, so that's really good to know. Um, let's talk about judging. How does judging work? Who are the judges? You know, what does that look like? So um, it's a two-phase two judging process. Um, and the first stage is the shortlisting of entry. So to, and that goes to our standards team. So staff, primarily staff that are leading in those special areas. So um, the associate directors within residential and um, in, in the categories, they will do the first um, sift through of entries um, and they will come up with a maximum of 15 entries in each category. It then goes forward to um, another set of judges who are industry experts, but not within the RICS. So people that have kind of come forward through um, some of their board involvement or have supported some of the next gen staff. Um, and and we, we try to rotate at least 25% of those judges every year. So it's not the mm -hmm. same judges year on year. Um, and in all but one category, we aim for two judges against each, each category, just in case there is a case what you were alluding to earlier, where one of the judges may have come across an entrant. And it, although they're totally anonymous, we take out all of regions, names, ages, companies, um, we try to anonymize as much as possible sometimes, given the projects they're working on. Um, one of the judges may say, actually, I have to recluse from judging that because I can identify the individual yeah, yeah. by having the second judge. It, it then makes it much fairer. Um, so then they all select the category winners. The category winners then all go in for a third round of judging, but with the same judges to select the overall young surveyor of the year. And my experience of, uh, of judging, um, I've really enjoyed it, I have to say. It's really interesting to see how people put entries together and I've judged at lots of different awards customer experience awards and conveyancing awards and, and different things and I love it because you get a real insight into other industries you know I'm sort of very resi and valuation I guess and that's my my bag 
you know, but you get to see what QS does, <laughs> you know, and, and all these big projects and, and things that they've, they've done. And I'm always, always uh, fascinated uh, by that. Um, but it is hard work. It's commitment. You know, you have to mm-hmm. allocate the time. You have to read through. We don't take it lightly. You have to deliberate. Does this make sense? Do I believe what's mm-hmm. in there? Um, and, you know, and then we give a nice little paragraph or a comment at the end, you know, and it's so you've got to, you know, put some put some effort into it. Uh, so the awards are announced and you distribute that out and say, hey, come and put yourself forward for an award. Mm-hmm. Who can not who can nominate? You can either nominate yourself, can't you? Or it's your your employer, I guess, or anybody. Anybody that knows you well enough. So we've had in the past, obviously, employers, colleagues, L&D departments have, have nominated their staff um, and even clients. So if a, an individual works on a regular basis with a client, sometimes um, the client has put the entry in, um, which is very interesting because you get a very different angle from that entry. Um, and sometimes a little bit um, focused in the wrong way sometimes the client comes across being too focused on monetary factors um, and monetary factor plays no place in these awards it doesn't matter if you've worked on a project that's one million pound or three million pound or a hundred thousand money doesn't carry any weight um, the judges don't don't judge on oh this is a big this is a big monetary of um, project therefore that yeah, it's not showing points. off. No, no, <laughs> there's none of that. Um, so yeah. And um, in the application, uh, so you would register, you would sort of fill out some of your details, and then there's six questions that you need to answer, and they have what well, I don't know, a couple of hundred words per section, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and I'm just looking. I've got one open up here, and so there are six questions. One is to talk about your uh, an outstanding achievement. So something that you you've done client satisfaction so getting that that client feedback um being a team player indeed um, innovation and thought leadership ambassador to the profession uh, and your winning statement <laughs> now anybody who's entered an award or actually, I think this applies to anybody who's thinking about applying for the fellowship as well. So the fellowship um, is slightly different. There are categories, but there's still criteria that you that you have to meet. And the first thing most people will do will look at that and think, no way. <laughs> I haven't achieved anything outstanding. My clients don't give me any feedback. I work by myself. I'm not a team player. Thought leadership, what's that? And then the winning statement, you know, talk about having, you know, balls of confidence to go out there and, uh, and do it. And, and I guess a lot of people get, you know, imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't do that. You know, I mean, have have you heard about people talk about that or worry about whether they should apply or not? All the time, all the time. And it's not just in association with the awards, but even when we're looking for ambassadors to go and do our next gen inspiration exercises, they're like, well, yeah, I've not done anything that's, that's that outstanding. And, and I kind of go, hang on a minute. I know that you've worked on, um, you know, I know you've worked on some amazing projects. And, and you know that is inspiring and you are good enough so I think I think yes it's something that we probably all suffer from um but I think there's an an element of just 
just focus on the facts. What have you achieved over, over and above what you achieved five years ago? Um, look at um, your progress. Look at the difference you've made to your team. Even talk to other people. And I think one of the best things I would encourage anybody, not just in these awards, but in, in the profession, is take a mentor because they will be your sounding board. They will be your grounding stone. They really will. Um, and they'll give you a true perspective on your achievements. So while you're thinking, I'm not good enough, they can be your alter ego and say, oh, but gosh, you are, and really start to give you some facts that you would have just taken from granted. Oh, of course I've done that, but doesn't everybody? And I think that's an area that um, particularly, you know, particularly some of the younger members, they don't like singing their own praises. Um, oh, I think that's an industry thing. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> A lot of surveyors, you know, it's, sometimes it's showing off, you know, <laughs> if you're on social media or you've got your own podcast, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> some people you know, there's ways of doing things and is it professional enough and uh, yeah you know I but you're right I think it hits all of us uh, at, at different stages one of the things pieces of advice I would give I guess from reviewing these um, nominations and, and entries and judging lots of different awards um, in the past is to start have a look through work out what the criteria is make a list and you're right it's looking at the facts what have I done and then put that to one side and get yourself a big piece of paper and draw a mind map. And so a mind map, if you've never done one, is, and there's project IT tools and things that you can use, but you start off with just drawing, you know, picture of you in the middle and little lines that come off it of just things that you have done that you are proud of in your career. And you just start to build this picture of things that you are proud of. And that's important because you forget what you've yeah. done and what you've achieved. And the awards, as we said, isn't about the big numbers and the big projects and the stuff that's, uh, that's out there. It's really about the difference that you make to others in the context of surveying and, and being ambassador you know, for, for the profession, whatever stage that, that, that you are. And so even things like, you know, I spent some time with, you know, the newbie graduate that's jo just joined our team, you know, because we've had a problem and there isn't a mentor at the moment, you know, and I've, I've mentored them until things are sorted. Um, I went into the schools. I've done this. I've done that. I've put myself out there. I've shared my journey. I do a bit with Lionheart. I've got involved in matrix boards, etc. You know, there's lots of things that we do and it's not all work related sometimes mm. there are things that you do outside of your your work as well that shows your your skills and and how you're bringing uh, surveying to the community in the wider wider context of society and public life out there but if you start off doing that mind map you'll start to think about stuff that you've enjoyed people that you helped it becomes very positive and when you then go to write your entry when you write about things that you're that were positive and you you enjoyed doing, it's a hell of a lot easier, mm. and the enthusiasm comes over. So you may have worked on a multi-million pound project doing something, but if it was a really boring, crappy job, 
that is not going to sing off the page however you 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 put it yeah. because you might you know you might find it really hard and it's actually not that much of a personal achievement to you but going into a, a school or a little program or something that you set up or done however small might be yeah. and so putting putting all that together I think is is really key is the first thing I would say and then the second thing is in each of these little entries, the six questions, is to tell a story. And you land straight into the story. So rather than, you know, I, when I was six, I wanted to be a surveyor, da, 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 you know, um, you sort of land straight in the story of what I was doing, you know, who it helped, why I enjoyed it. Because the bit that's, that I always look for I mean, we as a judge, we have criteria we, we mark, mm. mark against and we have to have comments for it and, and everything and justify it. But uh, when I look for, do I enjoy this? Does it feel like this person wants to be a surveyor, you know, loves being a surveyor? Do they, does it does sort of sing off the, the page? Mm. Do I believe it is, is yeah. another thing. And, you know, um, and so you've got to use that space widely. Really wisely, sorry. Um, and then the other thing that that some people do, um, which is a little bit irritating, but it's it's a tricky thing to navigate, is to fill the space that you've got with testimonials. Or I think I even saw one, and it had like I mean I think it was edited out, but it had somebody's address. You know, you just think well, that's a whole line of the of your entry. You know, yeah. sort of filling it with irrelevant stuff because it, it comes in. There's already been a first filter, so things will be verified as much as, as possible. And, mm. and you know, so I'm not there to double check. I'm not looking at people's LinkedIn or anything like that. But I am looking at: is this authentic? Is this genuine? Does it um, tell a story about what this person has has done, mm. or is it just you know showing off? Or not, and and literally, when you read through these things, and and it's easier when you're comparing a number of mm. them. You know, you might have ten or whatever in a in an entry, and the inauthentic ones just stand out a mile. You know, and and the the ones that deserve to win are usually showstoppers. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with everything you said there, Marion. I think there's an element of it's more about you, the difference you've made to the projects, to team members, to those outside of the RITS and outside of the profession to a certain degree. And it's around attitude. I think there's a big thing in there. If your attitude comes mm -hmm. through of positively um, wanting the job role, like you say, um, and your attitude to giving back to the profession. And we had one, one year when it was just after the floods had happened. And one ambassador had said to me, oh, I don't really think my entry is very strong. And I kind of read through it and I thought it's not very strong the guy had gone out and run a marathon to raise money to help those who were still facing challenges with getting funds to get their houses back up and running following the floods and I was that's exactly what we're looking to the attitude that guy took was okay it's not my day job but I'm going to do everything I can to to help my clients and those clients are those people that are still struggling following floods so it's around the attitude um, and and you should say being very genuine Hmm. And also then looking at the, the entry categories, you might look at some of these and think it doesn't apply to me. So, for example, team player, you know, you might be in a team of two. 
<laughs> you know? and if you work for a small small business you know yeah. but it does but it's not doesn't and I guess that's where if you're looking at your mind map you know um so you know you draw your mind back you get your positives you then look at the categories and you're looking at the gaps mm. and that's where you need to think creatively okay well I work in a small business I'm not a you know in a big corporate where we're all part of a team how can I demonstrate that I'm a team player and what that looks like for me in my world yeah I think you I think that's the first thing you look at is going my team's not very big but I think the team doesn't have to be just your company it can be your client-based team as well Um, and what we're really looking for within that category is to look at have you demonstrated any leadership of any others have you helped um, develop anybody else or um, led on any part of the project and how is that how have you made sure the team came with you on the the areas you've led Um, and the support who have you supported and how have you supported them whether it be in the profession outside of the profession but still relevant to what you're demonstrating the skills you have so I think the team player one is think like you say outside of the box Um, where else are you a team member to be able to lead or to influence or support and then we've got innovation and thought leadership. This is the biggest one everybody struggles with because it's like, I don't, I haven't got any big ideas. I don't have any big um, innovating thoughts and, and projects. And it's like, it doesn't have to be anything of a big grandeur nature. It can be something like, you know, when I came in, the reporting system was all very manually driven and I took it on board to make it much more driven through a platform. So innovation can be from literally turning around a system that was quite labour orientated and quite clunky through to a, a refined system, right the way through to like some of our candidates of, you know, writing government papers and things that are very much about the future of the profession. But the judges take it on on each person's credit about what has this person contributed and the difference. So yes, that person may have written a paper for the government around, you know, party walls or whatever they might be writing on, but actually that person that's come around with a system has probably had a bigger impact within their company because they've made everybody else's life so much easier. And there's a scoring system for the judges to be able to identify. Um, Mm. So that's taken on an equal level pegging. Um yeah, and they can be small things that just make mm. a, a big impact to the way that people work. And the other thing then on thought leadership, you know, I know a lot of APC candidates and newly qualified who actually deliver CPD in their companies, you know, so they're, they're tasked with that. And, you know, when we think about environment, sustainability and diversity, you know, those are all things that a lot of surveyors need to learn a lot about. And Indeed. And, you know, it's, you know, we still have this cultural generation gap and even things like that can really can really help. You know, so if you've got involved in any of those things, then, you know, share, let us know what you've, you've been up to and, and get recognised mm. for that. Um, Ambassador for the profession, I guess that's getting involved with um, Matrix, going into the schools, you know, in, in lots of different guises. Lionheart, as I mentioned, is a, another name that we always watch out for in... Um, in that sense but I guess it's you know standing up in some capacity virtual or otherwise to say you know I'm member of the RICS 
and we've got a royal charter which is there for the public advantage yeah you know I guess it's sort of getting a sense of that but again it doesn't have to be on a big stage it can just be going into a local school it could be you know I'd love to see somebody go into the WI yeah I mean (laughs) we've got some of our members that um relating to my old job and they're actually involved in guiding or scouting or girls Mm. girls clubs or um or community groups and yet they still go in and and host talks or give presentations um and they're equally as impactful we had um, a member who was part of a very big asian community in leicester and the work he was doing within the late um within that community where they were very very sort of like driven on their their children were only ever going to be lawyers or doctors and he worked tirelessly to get across that, you know, there are other professions out there and surveying is one of them. So it's things outside in your everyday work and your everyday life mm-hmm. that, that can be included. Mm. And just on that note, something that I would say to people early on in their career is a great way to get board experience is to become a school governor. And they are always looking for um, people with property experience, but also people young enough to remember what school, school was like. So, you know, don't, don't rule that out. And then the, then the other section on here is about clients, client satisfaction. And I guess that's where we then come into asking for testimonials or asking for that feedback. So if you've got a client who's nominated you, they'll be all over you. Maybe get them to listen to this podcast so they've got a bit of an idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to think about are you doing the entry together or is it being written on your behalf? I think as an individual, you've got to be happy with what's mm. in there. You might feel a bit embarrassed and cringy, you know, <laughs> but you've still got to, you know, be in yeah. front of that, front of that entry. But asking for testimonials and feedback is hard, isn't it? It is, it is, but I think it can be done in a in a kind of softer way rather than what do you think of me? I think there's there's a way that you can kind of frame it as in what's gone well, what's not gone so well, where do you think I've I've demonstrated my strengths? Um and I think it, it's always part of any project review. Um so it could it could be done as part of that really. Um but yeah, you're right. It is very difficult, and it's very difficult sometimes to get testimonials that relate to what you're trying to say within an awards entry. So they might have said, "Oh, yeah, he's great. He works really hard," and it's like, "Yeah, but could you just go that a little bit further to say what is the example? When did I work hard? How did yeah. you notice it? Um, and make that comparison to what were you expecting and what did I actually deliver?" And that's really what the testimonials are trying to achieve. Absolutely. So I think it's when you, as much as possible, talk to people, not just email them, think about yeah. the different, different media. Um, but it's saying, you know, I've been nominated or my boss recommended that I apply for this or I'd like to apply for, for this award. And I think it's useful to then you know, for example, I want to apply for this award. We worked together on this project. I had a great time, you know, yeah. put it in, in context. And then I guess a, a couple of tips. One was, you know, to talk about perhaps some of the problems. What was the problem? What was the challenge? What um, with, you know, was it a big project? Was it behind time? You know, a, a sort of bit of, bit of context on the, the scale. Uh, then to ask, you know, how did you find the process of working with me? Yes. So where did, where did, what did I do that was most helpful? 
you know, and, and so that you get a specific mention. And then what was the result, the outcome? Because what you're looking for in a testimonial effectively is a transformation. Yeah. You know, so I, I worked with Karen two years ago, or I worked with Karen last year, we worked on this project. You know, she was great at uh, sorting out the clients and made a big difference, made my job easier. Um, and now we've implemented some of the things that she's done. You know, yeah. so it's thinking about that, that, that transformation. Um, and then I think it's important to give them a deadline and say when you need it back because otherwise you'll be chasing because people are busy. Nope. You can say, if it's easier, just leave me a voicemail and I'll get a transcription of it. And you can use something like rev.com uh, to, I'll put a link, link to that in the uh, in the notes, but you can get a transcription of it. Um, so don't worry about having to write it up. Um, and when you, when you get it, if it's not very good, it's okay. You can edit it and go back and say, oh, that's great. I'm limited on numbers are you all right with this? And most of the time they will say yes. Or the other way to get a testimonial is to actually, you know, if they've given you some feedback in the past that wasn't, that you can't quite make fit, is to just write a couple of lines and say, you know, go for an award. Mm. I've just, you know, you, you gave me some feedback before. I've just prepared this. Are you okay with that to support it? And most people will say yes, because the key to it is to make it easy for someone to give you a testimonial. Oh, 100%. Thing. If it's easy, I can do it really quickly. If you make yeah. it hard, I'll have to think about when did I work with that person? You know, yeah. um, you're, you're on a hide into nothing. So to have a, have a time and make it easy for them is, um, is I think, is really, uh, really key. And then the last part of this entry is the winning statement. And I think that's a really tricky one. And I see... When a when a, an entry is put together, sometimes you see bits written by different people and it becomes really disjointed. Mm. So I think it's important that it's written by one people, uh, one people, one person, you know, um, referencing the other um, or you write it yourself. You know, either way can sound authentic so long as it's consistent all the way through because it just makes it easier um, to read. But when it comes to the winning statement, it's a lot easier for your boss or somebody else to say, oh, that Karen, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you might not say, you know, this yeah. is the great things that I've, uh, I've done. Uh, any tips for that, for saying, put, for, that, for that winning statement and beefing yourself up? I think you've hit on it there though, Mary. I think it's the one part of the entry form or the nomination form that I would share with a mentor, line manager, um, anybody who knows you really well, and just say, does this reflect me? And have I done myself justice? Because I think other people will be more than happy to read it and go, no, I think you've downplayed that. And it's much easier for somebody else to put like the exemplary marker in there than yourself. But they need that framework to say, if you were to just go to somebody and say, why am I, why, why do I deserve the Young Surveyor of the Year Award? They'd be like, mm, I don't really know. I think you're great. But if you give them the, the, the framework to work in, they will enhance it for you. So I think you're exactly right that that's the one part of the entry form I would actually get somebody else to tweak, not actually write for you, but to tweak it and enhance it because I think somebody else would be much more complimentary. Um, unless you're a super, super uber confident person, um, 
and know exactly how to to compile a winning statement I do think that somebody else's eye and input on that one would be really important and it is the one area where you get a chance to shine and say this is why I think I deserve Young Surveyor. And I think that's the key word it's the why so mm. if anybody hasn't seen it there's a very famous TED talk by a chap called Simon Sinek um, which talked about the power of why. I'll spoil it for you. I'll put a link in the notes, but it's worth watching. Because what I like to see in that winning statement is not a repeat of what you've already just told me, but to tell me why. And it's hard to say why I'm so good, but what I like to see in there is, why are you a surveyor? What yes. matters to you? Why, why was it so important for you to run a marathon to support these people in their homes. And it wasn't just because you like to keep fit and you've got a charity place. It, usually it's because as surveyors, we are just passionate about the built environment. And it's sort of joining those dots and bridging those gaps between what we do and why we do it in the world of surveying. And I think that's a great opportunity to, to do that. I think you're right, having someone else either draft it for you to get you started or to tweak what you've written because you do have to be quite authoritative and own it and mm. written, write it like you deserve it. And so mm. if that imposter syndrome and, you know, is, is, is the back of your mind, then that's not going to happen. So getting in the right frame of mind is key. So it's a good time to do that um, after uh, you've got some testimonials back. Yes. <laughs> because you're, yeah. you're feeling good. <laughs> you know, do your mind, do your mind map. Yeah, get your testimonials back and then you can do a few bullet points you know and uh, and work work on it and do it when you're in a good mood <laughs> I think yeah really different. we touched on um you know self-nomination and uh, someone uh, nominating you and one of the things I've noticed particularly on the residential side mainly because that's just the categories that I've judged um of late is there are a lot of small firms residential yeah. surveyors or you know woman band uh, firms if, um, nominating themselves and I think that's really important because we need that huge you know we've got a big diverse workforce not all corporate and I I don't know how you feel but I don't see the awards these days as a, a corporate award ceremony it's quite diverse in terms of the number of women who put themselves forward the people of minority backgrounds and you know mm -hmm. it's quite quite diverse but also then in terms of the type of business and I think that's really encouraging to see yeah no I, I totally agree with you there as well I mean there is no yes the big corporates do win awards but then equally I think that's balanced out and it's through no hard effort it's no bias or anything every entry is as they judged without any reference to company or size of project um, and yet year on year I kind of look and go oh, yeah small to medium winner or large corporate and they they really are balanced out there is no there is no kind of bias towards towards um one entity rather than the other and I think the small corporates um the small small to medium enterprises have an advantage um in some respects because they're much broader wider generally speaking in their roles um so they've got more to demonstrate more involvement um and that that's only through the entries I've read as in you kind of think gosh this person sounds like they're superhuman when you look at all what they're doing and then you realize they've come from a small to medium and so therefore the team's much smaller so they are having to take on dual roles um, um and their their exposures 
a lot greater sometimes to supporting other candidates within the business. Um, so yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say one has an advantage over the other. Um, I would say if you are being nominated by your marketing team, just take a rain check over the entry before it's submitted because sometimes it's quite evident it's been written by a marketing department. Yeah, um, yeah, and that doesn't help you. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely doesn't, definitely doesn't. Um, so if, if someone is nominating you, great, but I would just say take a look through it and make it, make it yours, um, make it have that human factor um, relevant to an individual rather than some of them could be written and, and it's quite standardised text. Very generic, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, very generic, singing the praises of the firm rather than the individual because yeah. clearly they don't know who that person is. And yeah. again, they just stand out. And that's why it's important that you, as a nominee, as a person um, entering, you get the final sign-off, that you're, you're happy with it. Um, we then go through, so the entry goes in, go through the judging phases and you get your shortlist and then notifications go out. And then in November, um, we have the big do, which is we always do. great fun. Um, last time I went last November, I think it was the first time because we'd missed a year, hadn't we? Yes. With, um, with, with the pandemic and um, sort of being in the room, I swear I felt like a celebrity because I was saying, <laughs> oh, you're Marion from the podcast. And I was like, yes, <laughs> but I don't know who you are. <laughs> Um, so I loved it the only thing I didn't do was sign autographs um, and I think if I'd had a few drinks I probably would have forced it on people but it was a really great great event yeah one of the things I would say to people is don't hide your light under a bushel you know yeah. if you're nominating yourself or someone else tell people about it this is a brilliant business opportunity and a career opportunity so don't wait until you get shortlisted don't wait until you get you know become the winner share yeah. your journey of what it was like to enter the awards why you've thought about it some of the things that you've done it's great social media content um and i think students and and people younger in their careers need to do more of this because this is how you yeah. increase your visibility and great get great contacts it's not showing off but it is yeah. showing what you're doing and insight into the work you do and what you're importantly passionate about so i think it's really important that right from the start you share and tell people uh, that you're doing it. And the thing is, no one's going to turn around and say, Karen, I really don't think you should be applying. I don't think you're good enough. <laughs> I no, don't know, Marion. No if it was me, they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever really going to say that. You know, no. they're, they're going to say, oh, yeah, go for it. You know, I take that, that encouragement. You know, it's a great opportunity, mm. but I think the more you can share that journey and then think about, once you've got your award or got shortlisted, what are you going to do with it? What's yeah. the point? What are you going to What are you going to do with it? How is it going to springboard you? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've I've chatted to different people who've won awards uh, in the past, and it's interesting to see where their you know their careers are, are going. And perhaps we'll do that as a as a follow up podcast at, at some stage. But I think if you're going to put yourself forward, what are you going to do with it? What impact are you are you going to mm. make? Because 100%. that's the whole reason, you know, it's not just about us having an awards cabinet. No, definitely not. And I think, you know, I've said this to many of shortlisted people, not just to the winners, but being shortlisted is just the beginning for your career progression. Uh, it's not just a tick box. Oh, yeah, I entered. I got shortlisted. And I think there's one expression that, that drives me mad when I've met some of the, the, the entrants is, oh, I was only shortlisted. I'm like... 
No, there is no only. To be shortlisted carries kudos. Yeah. yeah, you've you've really achieved something to be shortlisted. Um, you know, it's not all about winning. Um, we will still we will still be behind you to support your career, and so will your employers. I dare say, um, it's a huge accolade, and it's kind of like, what else are you going to hang on it? Where are you going to use it? Use it as leverage. You know, use it on Absolutely. your CV. Use it as yeah. your portfolio. Um, definitely, definitely. Use it in your next performance review. You know, there's a big thing here that employers could be using this as part of their recognition program as well. Um, anybody who's been uh, recognised within these awards should actually have that recognised within their reviews, within their one-to-ones or whatever. Um, yeah, use it. And if use you it in yourself, a- then celebrate. <laughs> Well, yeah, put it as part of your company. You know, there's nothing to stop you saying, you know, director Marion Ellis, winner of Building Survey. You know, it, it... oh my God, I'd love that after my name, <laughs> but I've never won an award. <laughs> there's always the mentor category, Marion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm judging that one. So I don't know. In the future, maybe. In the future, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, yeah, and you su- RICS supplies like logos and things that people yeah. can use. Um, you know on their company's websites or, or whatever so yeah there's so social media what they call social media assets so you get like your photo that you've provided at the entry stage with like you know uh, Marion Ellis shortlisted or finalist I think it is short yeah Marion Ellis finalist young surveyor of the year commercial category or whatever so you can use that even before the the ceremony even before you know whether you've won or not yeah absolutely well Karen it's been really good to talk to you I hope people listening now feel a bit more confident to go for it um I think everybody should it's a great it's a great experience to do um to apply for something like this anyway because it helps you take stock of how far you've come in your career even if you think I'm still doing my darn APC yeah (laughs) which is taking forever you know because sometimes that's just the way that that life is but it's a great great opportunity and as I as I said, you know, some people who uh, might be applying for their fellowship, actually the same principle applies, yeah. um, you know, think about it. So really good. Thank you ever so much. Um, no, thank you. It's and, been lovely. Um, I'll see you at the awards with my autograph yes. pen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first in line, Marion. I'll be the first in line. <laughs> bring my daughter's little uh, rainbow book. When you that. <laughs> lovely, Karen. Thanks ever so much. Oh, you take care. Bye-bye. I hope this podcast has been useful and helpful to you and you've got some confidence to nominate someone or even to nominate yourself for an award. Just go for it. Please don't forget to rate, review and follow and share it with all the surveyors and people you know. And you can show your support at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the surveyor hub. Do keep in touch. Let me know how you get on and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Bye.